Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Hope you had a wonderful, wonderful week 16. You've heard my breakdown for the ballers and stallers. No waiver wire breakdown this week. I had mentioned in ballers and stallers that this week is just so crazy. We're not doing a waiver wire column. We're not doing a waiver wire episode. But if you have any questions for week 17 championships, you can reach out to me directly and I will get to your individual needs via DM. But we did not have an episode. We did not have an article pertaining to that because week 17 is just too unpredictable and it's a mess. We've lost like 15 players already this week due to COVID, due to being out with bye weeks and uh, with the playoffs or, you know, just kind of shutting it down for the season if the team is out. So too much there for the waiver wire, but hit me up individually if you'd like to. You know the links in the intro and the outro. I'll catch you there. Today, this is episode 338. We're bringing in Bobby Lamarco for the last early game preview breakdown of 2020 for week 17. We're getting you ready for your week 17 championship. First, we will welcome in Bobby and I will get into the playoff breakdown and we'll get into the morning games. Bobby, how you doing, man? How did your week 16 championships go? I know you had a couple rolling and is there any chance you possibly have a week 17 matchup that you're looking forward to this week? No, um, I would never. I can't. We got to do a, we got to do a PSA. Uh, if you're a commissioner, if you are the commissioner, if you if you're in a league uh, with the week 17 championship, do what you can to get out of that. You know, we did luck out this year. Um, There's only like two teams like the Steelers sitting Big Ben and the, and the Chiefs sitting Patrick Mahomes. But we don't want to deal with that. So PSA to all your listeners, stop having week 17. But if you're in a week 17 final, uh, that's why we're here to get you going and get you a victory. But um, my week 16 was mixed. And um I actually won a league uh, with Jeff Wilson and Michael Gallup. Um, it was my sixth seed that just snuck in, and I had more flexibility because I didn't really have main studs. You know, Terry McLaurin got hurt, so I had to find a guy to play, and with all my research, I picked up Michael Gallup. Um, Great pickup. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, but it's not all rosy. Um, in my other league, I actually picked up Sammy Watkins. And uh, played him in the flex, and I lost because he got, like, two points. I mean, granted, Watkins got hurt, but the whole Chiefs offense did not look good against Atlanta. Um, Patrick Mahomes just – I don't understand it. I mean, prior to that, there was multiple weeks where uh, two wide receivers did very well against Atlanta. And, of course, this week it didn't happen. So, it was mixed, but I won one championship. I took home uh, one. It's a back-to-back, which is great. Um, but it was cool because I got the, I got the flexibility to not play my studs. I know a lot of it's, it's sometimes it's nice to just play your studs and I get that, but like to be able to have some flexibility to play matchups and actually win was actually kind of rewarding. 
um, my best team, my 12 and one team, my studs team just got knocked out. So it was like, you know, the 12 and one team that you're like, just set it and forget it. If those guys don't come to play, you lose, but you have to go out with your studs. I totally get it, but it was a cool experience, but, uh, I got one, one out of five this year, one, 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 re, one redraft championship out of five leagues. I'll take it. Any championship. What about you, Sky? Well, one is certainly better than none. So yes. well done. I, I broke down all my league. Well, not all my leagues roster wise, but let everybody know um, uh, with the ballers and sellers episode that I was able to get uh, three out of five uh, this year, which is great. Um, I have a couple lingering dynasty teams that are just in the bottom of the barrel. Um, not intentionally, obviously, but like, it's just really young. I, I drafted Saquon Barkley uh, first overall two years ago. And obviously that's sunk my team two years in a row. Um, I have a couple other studs in that league, but I had like AJ green and uh, some other guys that I drafted two years ago that were supposed to be picking it up. Will Fuller's, you know, uh, Kenny Galladay's, I mean, guys that just haven't produced enough over the last couple of years. So those teams have sunk, but uh, three out of the five uh, redraft that I had going on this year, uh, we got a W Lucas and I got a W in uh, the regime dynasty league, which is huge. That's just with a bunch of uh, other Instagram fantasy football accounts. So we took that one down, which is big. Um, we, uh, I was able to get my home league, which is probably the most important one to me, uh, missed out on the TCK listener league, but I broke down how actually I uh, probably would have won that if, uh, I did make the playoffs, but I couldn't back in last minute, got beat out by seven points. And then, um, I uh, took down uh, another one as well. So the uh, staff league for the state of mind fantasy football group that I write for over the season, we have a staff league as well. And I was able to take that one down too. So feel good about it. Uh, took three out of five um, real, real fun season, obviously crazy with COVID and injuries and whatever. So just to stay alive and be competitive at all, I think was a win for everybody. Um, but to, you know, to get a championship or, or multiple was certainly quite the accomplishment this year specifically. So did pretty well. I'm pretty stoked. A um, lot going on here with the podcast. Uh, as I mentioned um, earlier this week, we are going to um, get into uh, the offseason schedule um, next week. We're going to I'm going to have an episode on Friday coming up tomorrow. It's just going to be a quick hitter, uh, letting everybody know kind of what the general offseason looks like for the TCK pod. And then Bobby, myself, Dewey's and Lucas are going to get together as a team and we're going to really kind of finite what everybody wants to do, how we're going to uh, wrap up. 2020 and get into 2021 so stay tuned for that and you can listen to that either on new year's day or you can uh just follow us throughout the nfl playoffs we'll have a little bit of dfs for you we'll be breaking down the nfl playoffs as well and try to have some fun as we get out of 2020 a couple recap episodes and then we'll break down 2021 and we'll just start all over man you know how it goes so bobby let's jump into this man we do have uh, a whole morning slate this is beautiful this is a, a, a football fan's dream, I think. I love the night games. I actually really like Thursday night football. Obviously, I love Monday night football. But it's not always the best competition. It's just the way it works out. Sunday night football is generally great. This week, it's debatable. But we have every single team playing on this Sunday, which is just awesome. So we have a full slate in the morning, a full slate in the afternoon, and, of course, Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles somehow get slated into the Sunday night football game. But Lucas and I covered that yesterday. All right, man, you know how we do this. We're going to break down the previews uh, for each of the morning games. But before we do that, I do want to give folks just a, a quick kind of, you know, heads up on the AFC and the NFC playoff picture. Um, I'll just do it quickly. I'm not going to break down every single scenario. 
uh, for these teams because some teams need a lot to happen and other teams are just winning it in. So I'm just going to break it down quickly so you kind of have an idea of where either your team, if you're a fan of one of these teams, where your team sits or where these other teams are. And if you're not mentioned, that unfortunately means your team at this point is mathematically eliminated with just one game to go. We'll start in the AFC. Real simple here. The Chiefs have locked up the top slot. They have uh, the number one seed. They will have the bye going into the playoffs, hence sitting Patrick Mahomes, which Bobby just mentioned, and maybe the rest of their studs in the second half at least. So it doesn't matter if they lose to the Chargers. They are out um, or they are having that number one seed no matter what. So they're good to go. Buffalo and Pittsburgh are both 12 and three. They're in the two and the three slot. They could flip flop a little bit if one team wins and one team loses. Uh, but right now it's Buffalo, then Pittsburgh. If they both went out versus the Dolphins and the Browns, they're both locked into a playoff spot. This is where it gets messy in the AFC. Tennessee, Miami, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Indianapolis. Every one of those five teams is 10 and five on the season. Only four of those five are going to make it. So these are four or five very, very good teams. One of them is not going to make it. They're all 10 and five. Basically, Tennessee, Miami, Baltimore, and Cleveland need to win their game. If they win their game, they're in the playoffs. Easy. The Colts need to win their game, and they need one of those other teams to lose, basically. So it's much tougher for the Colts. Everybody else just needs to win a game. Bobby, really quick, we don't talk a lot of NFL proper, but just – gut check and we're going to break down all these games but while i'm talking about it really quickly out of tennessee miami baltimore cleveland and indianapolis which team do you think doesn't make the playoffs uh probably the dolphins uh they're going to i think they're gonna have a tough time trying to beat the bills and then the ravens will get the Bengals. i think they're pretty much set i think the browns caught a break with steelers sitting big ben and then the colts have the jags so i Probably Miami, Fitzpatrick, we just found out, has um, COVID, and they can't go to him if they need him late in the game. So I think I'm going to say Miami kind of finds their way out of the playoffs. Got it. And Tennessee's got Houston, but that should be a, a dub there too. Yeah. On the other side for NFC, the Packers, the New Orleans Saints, and the Seattle Seahawks are all up in the number one, two, and three seed. Now the Packers technically have the number one seed as of right now at 12 and three, the Saints and the Seahawks at 11 and four. But there is a world where if the Packers somehow lose to the Bears in Chicago, which I think is doubtful, but it's the NFL and it's a rivalry game and it's in Chicago, we'll see. If the Packers lose to the Bears and this and Seattle wins and the Saints lose, Seattle gets the number one seed. If the Saints win and Seattle loses, the Saints get the number one seed. If everything stays put and everybody wins or everybody loses, the Packers would get the number one seed. The Saints would have two. The Seahawks would have number three. Washington football team obviously can win the division here in the NFC least uh, they could actually lose and still win it um, at six and 10, depending on a tiebreaker. If they win, they're at seven and nine, they win the division. They also have the giants and the Cowboys who could potentially leapfrog them depending on what happens there. Tampa Bay is also in, in the five seed they're locked in, but the Rams and the bears, the Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys all have a chance to also make the playoffs. The Rams and the bears just need to win and they are in the, the Cardinals and the Cowboys need to win and get some help. So that is the NFC and AFC uh, picture. We will jump into our games here and we'll start breaking all these down. You had just mentioned the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. Unfortunately, we just got news this morning that Ryan Fitzpatrick has tested positive for Corona uh, virus COVID-19. So he will at least be out of the game. I don't know if he's got symptoms, if he's you know sick, sick, if they do make the playoffs, I have no idea what that means for next uh, week. But 
we do know that he's out this week. Um, when you're close proximity, you have an opportunity to potentially test positive twice before the game, and then you can play. Uh, but if you test positive, you're out for that week. So Fitzpatrick is out. It's going to be Tua. Tua was benched last week for Fitz. Um, and Ryan or Brian Flores came out immediately after the game and just said Tua was our guy next week, regardless when Fitz is out. So he definitely is. Um, the backfields look pretty good. Uh, looks like Parker's been trouble all season long. Gasicki's been up and down. Question marks all over Miami, in my opinion. For Buffalo, they are arguably the hottest team in the entire NFL right now. Josh Allen playing out of his mind. Stephon Diggs, likewise. Cole Beasley banged up. He looks like he's week to week, so we'll see if they just sit him. They're in the playoffs. It's just a matter of seeding at this point, so they might sit Beasley to make sure he's healthy without John Brown still as well, so Gabe Davis could be a nice little sneaky start there. And then the backfield, you know, kind of hit or miss uh, per usual. So, Bobby, I, I mentioned this yesterday with Lucas. We are encouraging all listeners to take our advice. You know, a lot of you have reached out after the season and let us know that you won your leagues, and we helped you do that, and we're so honored and uh, it's, it's really a, a privilege to do what we do and, and give you that advice. And, and it's an honor that you take us seriously and put it to use. And then you're successful on top of that. So that's fantastic. Uh, this week, more than ever, though, I and Bobby and you heard Lucas yesterday, we are recommending that you take our advice with a grain of salt, at least, and go do your own research Saturday evening, Sunday morning, because so many things will change in week 17. They always do. That's why we recommend you don't have your fantasy championship in week 17. But Bobby, a lot of question marks all over these games uh, in the slate, but we'll kick it off with the Dolphins and the Bills. Yeah, so this game is good. I, I love the fact that when we're talking about these games, when both teams have something to play for. Um, these are typically the games I like to attack in week 17. Um, you're not going to see these guys sitting because they got things to play for. The Bills will play for the two seed. And the Dolphins obviously just fighting for their playoff chances. So if you're going to take our advice for this, try to identify games where both teams have something to play for because you're going to get the most ideal situation across the board. Now, when I'm looking at this game from a overall dropback perspective and pass volume perspective, Miami this season is the number one run funnel defense in football based on football outsiders, DVOA metrics. So that typically leads to a lower dropback volume, which I see, you know, Miami's 28th in dropbacks over the last five weeks on defense, 22nd in expectation. But like you just touched on, the Bills are just red hot and you're not going to fade Josh Allen just because the matchup favors the run game, but it's just notable for passing volume. Also without Fitzpatrick in this game um, or even to come in late in the fourth quarter, really bring down some of the pass volume across the board because the Bills might be able to win this game handily. Um, in the game in week two prior this year, the Buffalo Bills, that was a shootout. Remember, Josh Allen threw for 415 yards, four touchdowns in that game, Fitzpatrick 328 and two. So that I don't see happening again, especially on the on the Dolphins side, um, because Buffalo is a decent uh, pass defense in the sense that they are 14th in dropbacks per game on defense over the last five ninth in expectation. So there is a little bit of volume to be there for the Dolphins if needed, but I just haven't seen it from two of the last couple of weeks to keep up. But the good news is Josh Allen's rolling. And when I'm looking at it from the Bills perspective and who beats the Dolphins, like I just touched on run games, we saw Sonny Michelle and Josh Jacobs average over five yards per carry. The problem with Buffalo is Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are splitting work down the middle. It's really tough to recommend one of those guys because the fact they're getting eight to 10 touches a week, 
uh, in your week six, uh, 17 matchup. There's a lot of guys out there right now that could be filling in the gaps. Daryl Williams, for example, could be playing because there is no Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So there's guys you can get that would probably favor a little bit more uh, than a split between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Um, now, this matchup is also better for outside wide receivers for Buffalo versus Miami. Nelson Aguilar uh, had a very big game against them recently. Tyree Kill had a monster game against them. So, obviously, you're going to continue to roll with Stephon Diggs. No one's questioning that. I think the real question mark comes after Diggs. No John Brown potentially because of COVID. Cole Beasley is also pretty much out for this game. So it's Isaiah McKenzie and Gabriel Davis. Now, because the fact that this matchup is favored for more outside wide receivers, which I find interesting because Byron Jones and Xavier have outside, but the numbers show that it's been outside receivers for the most part. So Gabriel Davis, to me, is firmly on the wide receiver three map if Cole Beasley and John Brown are out. And I think the same thing goes for John Brown if he's in. So I'm, I'm liking the fact that I could see two guys getting enough pass volume in this game to, you know, produce. So I think it's Stephon Diggs. And I think Gabriel Davis is in as a wide receiver three if there is no John Brown and Cole Beasley. Outside of that for Buffalo, you know, Dawson Knox has been getting a little more work over the last couple of weeks, but it just hasn't been consistent enough for me to trust him in week 17, especially if this is my championship. So I don't think I'm going with him at all. I think it's just going to be Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Gabriel Davis or John Brown, whoever's in, if John Brown's in. On the Miami Dolphins side, listen, Buffalo is average for RBs. We saw Melvin Gordon and Sony Michelle produce very well over the last couple of weeks versus them. And I really like Miles Gaskins. He has been fantastic across the board. He's heavy usage in the pass game as well. 13 touches last week, um, 13 touches in the game in week two in this matchup. That was when they were still using Matt Breda a little bit and Jordan Howard. But Gaskin, that was kind of his breakout game. 13 combined touches in that game, over 80 yards. So I really like Gaskins in this one as well because we have seen production to, from Buffalo in the ground game. It's also better for outside wide receivers against Buffalo. I know they have Tredavious White. But they are pretty much a outside. Travis White has not followed top wide receivers much this season. He's actually has not done it since like the middle of the year. So Devontae Parker to me, if he's in playing, I, I do think he's on the wide receiver three map, even with Tua. Um, we have seen him dominate the matchup with Tredavious White in the past. He had a very big game uh, back last year. He also had five for 53 and one earlier in week two. So I do think Devontae Parker is in as a wide receiver three. But the guy I like the most probably is Mike Jaziki. The biggest weakness of the Bills defense has been tight ends. We saw Noah Fant have a monster game against them very recently. So I really like Mike Jaziki in this game from the Dolphins side. So I think for the Dolphins, it's going to be Gaskins. Parker is a flex play wide receiver three and a Mike Jaziki uh, for the Dolphins uh, football team. Great. I totally agree. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, how, I mean, if, if, if Buffalo gets up early, they might be sitting guys too. Again, I mean, there's yeah. much more to play with. I mean, Miami has to win to get in Buffalo's already in it's just a matter of seating. Uh, so there's a chance. I mean, if, if Miami somehow upsets the bills, worst case for the bills, they're going to drop to, um, the third seed. Uh, so, you know, they'll, they'll be all right either way. And man, Buffalo is playing very, very well. And of course that game is up in a cold Buffalo, not warm Miami uh, this time of year. All right, let's move on here to the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bungles. So 
the Ravens come in obviously a slump for a number of weeks with injuries, COVID issues, Lamar Jackson slump and whatever they have been arguably the second hottest team in the AFC recently uh, in the last couple of games. They've really gotten on track lately. They were kind of out of the playoff hunt just a few weeks ago. Then they were kind of in the hunt uh, as they show you the graphics on Sunday and Monday night football, kind of like on the outside looking in and they've really just stormed to the finish line here. So all of a sudden they sit in the sixth seed as we speak, if everybody wins out, as we mentioned, they would get the sixth seed here. If they lose, there's a chance they could end up being eliminated because of the Colts winning there potentially as well. So a must win for the Ravens. They do get the Bengals Bengals playing much better last week and upset victory against Houston. But you know, again, it's still the Bengals. It's in Cincinnati. We'll see. Shouldn't be a, a weather issue necessarily, although the Midwest is, is pretty gnarly right now uh, for the Ravens, you know, for fantasy wise, you start your studs again, this is a game that they have to win. So everybody should be playing full steam. You start Lamar, you start uh, Dobbins, you start um, Andrews for sure. There's always a, there's just a lower ceiling than we want from Hollywood Brown. There's certainly a lower floor as well, but if you're okay with five for 50, you'll get that. If you, you know, you might also get 102. So I think you fire up Hollywood Brown on the other side for the Bengals. You know, again, Kyle Allen played pretty well last week. Uh, and if they're going to go Brandon Allen, Oh, Brandon Allen, I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. Kyle. Allen, I'm sorry. Brandon Allen played well last week. And um, you know, the, the backs doing enough. They actually had Samaje P Ryan and Gio Bernard uh, in the top 10 fantasy running backs last week against Houston. Now, of course, Baltimore's front seven is not Houston's front seven. So I don't expect that this week, uh, but it looks like T Higgins and a potentially, um, you know, Tyler Boyd would be the other options there for Cincinnati. But on that side, I'm not excited about it because the Ravens are getting healthy at the right time of the year and they have everything to play for this week. I expect them to come out um, guns a blazing. Yeah. So the thing with this game earlier in this year, it's tough to look at that game because number one, there's no Joe Burrow anymore. Uh, and Allen looked good last week. He really did. But Houston Texans past secondary is probably one of the worst in football right now. And they have been getting gashed by everybody. But it is it is very um, encouraging to see him perform enough for fantasy perspective. But now when you're looking at the Ravens, though, it's not going to be that easy. I mean, last week, Daniel Jones did enough. He had 250 and one touchdown last week against them, which is fine. Um, it was basically in garbage time they did trail big pretty much all game uh they were down multiple scores they were down pretty much 20 to 3 by halftime so there's a lot you got to take that with a grain of salt but that is something to look at because when you look at pass volume projections baltimore is a slight pass funnel defense they were sec their second in the nfl and dropbacks per game on defense over the last five weeks eighth in expectation what that tells me is brandon allen's gonna have to throw a lot and that's fine. We don't care about if it looks good or looks pretty. We just care if it in the end, in the end, we get the points for fantasy. So there is going to be enough pass volume there to support maybe a pass catcher or two. And we'll break down which ones we think about that in a second. But Cincinnati on the flip side is interesting. It's they're 24th in, in dropbacks per game on defense and 28th in expectation. And with Lamar Jackson, he's not going to throw much in this game. He's going to do a lot with his legs, but also, you know, the Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins duo can pretty much dominate on the ground. We just saw, you know, David Johnson go nuts against the Cincinnati Bengals. He, David Johnson and the Houston Texans can't run the ball. They had 128 yards rushing with David Johnson. So you got to love that matchup. But what is also notable for the Ravens when we look at them is the top cornerback for the Cincinnati Bengals, William Jackson, left last week's game with an injury. 
uh, with a concussion. So he could be out in week 17. That is a huge boost for Marquise Hollywood Brown. So when I'm looking at who beats the Bengals, number one, run games. You know, we just talked about David Johnson. Now, when you look at the results of last week, Gus Edwards, 15 carries to only 11 for Dobbins. But everyone needs to keep in mind that game was a blowout. Gus Edwards got all the carries in the fourth quarter, and he outcarried him uh, in the second half overall. So, you know, when the game is close, it's J.K. Dobbins. So early on in this game, J.K. Dobbins is going to get his, I think you have to start him. But because the Ravens could dominate this game, I think Gus Edwards is also in play. But I think you're getting very cute with Gus Edwards. But at the same time, if you really need a running back, if you were the Chiefs running back owner and you can't get Darrell Williams or something along those lines, and you need a starting running back. I think Gus Edwards could be a flex play this week, but I think J.K. Dobbins is a slam dunk. Now, also, who beats the Bengals? Top wide receivers only. So I brought this up last week. You know, Brandon Cooks had a monster game, seven for 141 and one. Prior to that, Deontay Johnson, Amari Cooper, primary outside wide receivers, but the true number ones on their teams dominate the Bengals. So I think Marquise Hollywood Brown, to me, is in play. I think he's a solid. Uh, wide receiver two slash flex. So I'm definitely in on Marquise Brown. And also tight ends have been very good against the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, Jordan Aikens and Darren Fells combined for five receptions for about 60 yards and a touchdown last week. So I do like Mark Andrews. I think everyone, of course, is starting him as well. So I think from the Ravens side, I'm pretty much gung on everybody. Lamar Jackson, uh, J.K. Dobbins. I think Gus Edwards could be a, a low-end flex. And then I think Marquise Hollywood-Brown and Mark Andrews are in. On the Bengals side, who beats the Ravens? I think the good news is Brandon Allen's going to have to throw a lot. And I think that's good news for Geo. Past pitching running backs have been pretty good against the Ravens this season overall. I mean, last week they played Wayne Gallman and Alfred Morris. We're not talking world beaters at the running back position for catching the ball. So, But Geo, I think, is definitely back in play. He is clearly the workhorse on this team. He had 16 carries last week in that game. He also had seven receptions. So I think that Geo is firmly on the flex radar, especially in PPR formats. And who also beats the, the Ravens is outside wide. I mean, Sterling Shepard. Last week I picked Slayton. It was Shepard. Uh, trust me, I was kicking myself over and over again. But Shepard was the one that actually got the production last week, nine for 77 and one. So there is production against this Ravens secondary, and plus they're still pretty beat up. Jimmy Smith and Marcus Peters are both dealing with injuries, and Marlon Humphrey plays in the slot a lot. So I think that really favors T. Higgins. Higgins did pace the team last week, six for 99-1 and one against the Houston Texans. So I think T. Higgins is also a flex play because the volume is going to be there. He could definitely flirt with eight to ten targets in this game because they're going to have to throw a lot in this one. I think outside of that, I'm not too excited for A.J. Green. Erickson had a nice game. Uh, er Erickson, Erickson uh, who plays in Tyler Boyd, had six for 88 last week. But he has the toughest assignment against uh, Marlon Humphrey in the slot. So I think it's just T. Higgins for me and Gio Bernard on the Bengals side. It's going to be interesting to see if Bengals can actually put up a fight. They've been pretty, like the Jets somehow at the end of the season here. All of a sudden they are showing up to play, which is cool. Uh, it's good to see that they're being competitive. But uh, – both those teams have showed up the last couple of weeks. We'll see if they can actually pull it off here against the Ravens as they did the Pittsburgh just a little bit ago. Uh, Bobby, just a heads up on our side with the audio. I'm not sure if you can hear it, but I think we're losing your connection just a little bit. Um, maybe just check your, check your Wi-Fi while I break down the next game here. We can hear you, but it's a little bit, uh, a little bit choppy. Just a heads up. Okay. Let's move into the next game here. The Pittsburgh 
Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. Now this game, in my opinion, is the marquee matchup of the early slate uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously reeling the last month, but they come from behind somehow on the Colts culture up multiple touchdowns, running the ball with Jonathan Taylor, two rushing touchdowns in the first half culture waxing the floor with them. He gets four carries in the second half. Somehow Steelers come all the way back. They win that game. Now they're up in the top three seeds and the Colts are basically on the outside looking in at this point, which should, it should have just not, not gone that way last Sunday, but so be it. So the Steelers come in again, locked up into a top three seed. It's just a matter of if they get the one or, or the two or the three with the Buffalo bills, the Browns though, one of those teams in the AFC, they're in the seventh seed right now. They have to win this game to be in the playoffs. So Browns obviously ravaged with COVID last week. They had no wide receivers. Um, Austin Hooper had 15 targets. Uh, unfortunately, he's terrible and only had seven of those catches. He could have had 150 yards and five touchdowns probably uh, with everything that he dropped, but unfortunately not as good. But they get back uh, Jarvis Landry, Cardero Hodge, Rashard Higgins, um, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. So Browns are, you know, Browns are at full capacity, which is great in this game. Steelers, as you mentioned, sitting Big Ben. So they're going to go with Mason Rudolph. We know what happened last year with Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett. I'm not going to get into that whole situation. If you're unfamiliar, just Google it. Um, otherwise, there's clearly a bit of rivalry. They're already divisional rivals. And, uh, of course, and we had that uh, situation last year. So with Pittsburgh, um, I am, I'm really concerned fantasy-wise about everybody here with Mason Rudolph, um, especially the maybe the running backs, just because I don't trust James Conner if he's going to play even a full game. And then Deontay Johnson usually is worth the targets. Juju's worth the targets, but again, not sure I can trust him uh, with the Mason Rudolph. And on the Brown side, you start Chubb, um, but again, this Pittsburgh D line is still one of the best in the business. So I'm worried about Kareem Hunt, and then Baker Mayfield, Austin Hooper, and the rest of the receivers. Jarvis Landry's a PPR guy and you can throw on the Steelers a little bit more, but again, not, uh, not thrilled, I guess, with all those options, Bobby, what is the, what does the data tell you? Am I overreacting with Mason Rudolph to those receivers and maybe, you know, with Baker on fire until he lost all of his weapons last week, can we rely on any of those pass catchers in uh, Cleveland? Well, that is a good question because I looked at Mason Rudolph, and the six full games he played last year, and listen, you got to understand, Mason Rudolph was a backup quarterback last year who got thrust into the starting lineup, and he was a rookie. So Mason Rudolph, to me, it's hard to judge him just on last year, but he, the one thing I found in the six full games he played last year is that the number one player he targeted was Jalen Samuel. So Samuel led the team in targets. He does have a tendency to, to check the ball down a little bit, and that could help with the running back situation provides some more targets because big Ben has not been targeting running backs this year. He's been more on Eric Ebron outside of the wide receiver. So that could be something that changes things a little bit. That makes me feel like I'm not trusting Eric Ebron, for example, in this game because of Mason Rudolph. I think that the running backs could get interesting. Uh, if we get more clarity later in the week, who's starting, if it's going to be J uh, James Connor, I think Connor could be made maybe a little bit more in play uh, because there's more targets to running backs. Now, when I look at the data overall, the Pittsburgh Steelers are already 29th in passing volume over the last five weeks on defense, 31st in expectation. So the Steelers' defense is bringing down pass volume. Now you factor in Mason Rudolph. I just don't think there's going to be enough volume in this game across the board because since Cleveland's also 22nd 
in um, half time per game on defense over the last five weeks, but they are 11th in expectation, but you're not expecting Mason Rudolph to drop back and throw the ball 40 times. So factor in this game. So when I look at that, it tells me I'm probably not going to get, you know, starting guys like Rashard Higgins, Donathan Peoples-Jones. I'm probably on the other side. I'm not going to start Juju Smith-Schuster and those guys either because it's been Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson has been clearly the number one wide receiver on this team over the last few weeks on the Big Ben. But also last year, Mason Rudolph and uh, Deontay Johnson were backups together, and then they both got put into the starting lineup, both rookies, both drafted in the same year. So there is a little bit of a chemistry there. So I'm still okay with Deontay Johnson as a wide receiver three. Also, this is Mason Rudolph's second year in the system. So maybe he's a little bit better than he was last year. That's definitely a possibility. The reason why they're sitting Big Ben could be the fact that they just say, hey, listen, it's not a, it's a meaningless game. Let's see what the kid can do just to get him out there. It's not really meaningless, but two or three seed doesn't matter to them. So I'm, I think that uh, Deontay Johnson is probably my only guy on the Steelers I feel any comfortable comfort with starting. Um, I think if you find out later that James Conner st- uh, is going to get to start this game, the last time they faced the Browns, he had 20 carries, 100 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. So he did put up a big game against the Browns. So I think Connor could be a uninspiring flex, but I am not going to get too cute. I think it's just Deontay Johnson on the Brown side. Listen, Baker was, is a different quarterback. The last time they faced each other earlier in the season, week six, Mayfield was 10 for 18, 119 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. That is not the same guy who's playing right now. He is white hot. It takes a little time for him to get used to the fancy system. I think he's on a roll. But when you look at who beats the Steelers, it's pretty much outside wide receivers. Um, we saw Marquise Hollywood Brown, Stephon Diggs just completely torched them. Now Landry, even though he plays about 50-50 in the slot, he's still the main guy on the outside overall. He does get the most work. They also play a ton of two tight end sets. So I think Jarvis Landry to me is the only pass catcher I feel comfortable with in this game with Baker because of the pass volume projections and also the matchup. And, of course, the ground game. I love Nick Chubb in this one. You got to keep rolling with him. You know, overall this season, the the Pittsburgh Steelers have been a little bit more vulnerable to the ground game than they have been through the air. Cream Hunt didn't do much in the Week 6 matchup. He only had 13 carries for 40 yards. But I am not getting away from Nick Chubb. Uh, so, I think from this game, I think it's just Nick Chubb and Jarvis Landry on the Browns and Deontay Johnson on the Steelers. I totally agree. And Nick Chubb is still – top tier running back but for fantasy purposes specifically it's hard to say he's a letdown when he scores every week and he gets you 80 to 100 yards I mean if you got that from 90 percent of other running backs you would be thrilled right but some of these running backs put themselves in a tier that is just uh you know beyond expectation Dalvin Cook Alvin Kamara Derek Henry and so forth um for fantasy purposes though it's I, I, I'm not going to say he's been disappointing he hasn't but he's not been Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb. And what we saw Jonathan Taylor do uh, last week to the Steelers lets me know that <laughs> you can just pound and pound and pound. And let's not forget Gio Bernard and them uh, went off with the Bengals there. So if, if, um, if the Browns just settle to the run and they stick in it and they have a couple play action first downs and keep drives alive, keep that Pittsburgh defense on the field, I think they have a chance. Um, Pittsburgh got rejuvenated last week, obviously after a slump, but uh, I think the Browns really have a chance. We'll get into our pickums here in a little bit, but this is going to be a great game uh, in the earlier slate. Uh, Bobby, we're going to stick in the AFC here. Let's wrap up the AFC. We have a couple more games in the AFC preview, and then we'll jump over to the NFC after that. We'll stick with Tennessee 
at Houston. Now, again, Tennessee right now in the four seed, they're at 10 and five. Houston, long uh, been eliminated. Lost against Cincinnati last week. J.J. Watt, who's one of my favorite players in the NFL. It's hard to not root for the guy uh, just on a human level for what he's done for the city of Houston over the years, but also uh, obviously a, a Hall of Fame player. Um, came out and straight up called out the entire team. If you haven't seen his uh, rant, his motivational speech, whatever you want to call it, presser after the game last week, uh, Google it, go watch it. I think it's a good thing to watch like in life in general. Basically, he just said, if you show up to work, own your shit. <laughs> Don't half-ass your job. There's other people counting on you. And I just thought it was a, a great thing that more athletes need to speak up about. Nonetheless, I do think the Houston Texans come out with a bit of extra fire to at least try to end the season for Tennessee and knock them out of the playoffs minimum just because it's a rivalry game and that would make Houston's whole the year. Not sure they'll be able to do it, but Packers don't have a great defense, especially against the run, and they kept King Henry under 100 yards last week, and we saw what happened. Outside of a busted bootleg from Tannehill, um, Tennessee was not able to get going. Now, obviously, they played in a blizzard. I get all that, but I just uh, – they're not flawless. I'll put it that way. Now, with Tennessee against Houston, obviously you're playing Henry. You're playing Tannehill. You're playing A.J. Brown. Corey Davis, goose egg last week. I think that's uh, not going to be expected this week against Houston, but that was concerning for sure. And John o. Smith, I just don't know that we can rely on at this point. On the other side for Houston, Deshaun Watson, you start. Brandon Cooks, you start at this point. David Johnson, you know, threw it back to 2016 last week, helped people get over the hump in championships with two touchdowns, one through the air, one on the ground. Um, and – you know, again, with the tight ends doing okay, but you don't know which one it's going to be. So I think I would probably stick with that. Kiki QT and uh, Chad Hansen, I'm probably going to fade if I can. Um, but I like basically start your studs in this game. Must win for the Tennessee Titans here against the Houston Texans. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people forget that week six matchup between the Texans and Titans was probably one of the best fantasy games across the board for the season. Deshaun Watson, 335 and four. Tannehill, 366 and four. Derrick Henry, 212 yards, two touchdowns. David Johnson, 57 yards and a touchdown. It was incredible from a fantasy standpoint. I mean, points galore. And the way we saw things kind of shake out last week, look what the Bengals just did to Houston. I mean, you know, Brandon Allen looking good. Gio Bernard and Samaj P. Ryan dominating on the ground. And you know, even the Packers, you know, Devontae Adams carving them up and A.J. Dillon dominating on the ground. So it's a lot of optimism heading into this game. Uh, the only issues for the uh, Texans is the fact that they're going to be down both tackles. So uh, Tyrus Howard, the right tackle, Laramie Aramie Tunsil, the left tackle, are both out. Uh, the good news is Titans don't have a great pass rush, so maybe the Texans can get away from it. But um, from that, the only thing you have to worry about is can, can Deshaun Watson – you know, keep them competitive enough. And I think he can because Deshaun Watts is just playing at an MVP level. He just, you know, had run into bad luck with Will Fuller being suspended and Randall Cobb getting hurt. But when I'm looking at this game from a passing volume perspective, Tennessee Titans are 10th in the NFL and dropbacks per game on defense, seventh in expectation. Houston's kind of in the middle of the pack with 17th in dropbacks per game over the last five, 14th in expectation. But what that tells me is there can be plenty of fantasy glory in this game for both teams. Um, I'm really kind of buying into both. So I think the J.J. Watt thing also helps. The team's going to want to come out and play, but the Titans are just a much better offense versus the Houston Texans defense. But I think Deshaun Watts is going to come to play. It's a division game. So when you look at who beats the Texans, 
you know, run games and pass catching RBs. I think you're easily riding with Derrick Henry in this game. We just like we just touched on, we saw what Ber Gio Bernard did and Samaje Piran. So Derrick Henry obviously in. Now, the one thing I will say about the, the Texans defense is they've been a little bit more susceptible to interior receivers. Um, even though T. Higgins last week had a very nice game, Zach Pascal had that big game two weeks prior. And also uh, Erickson, we just touched on six for 88. So they've been getting dominated by slot receivers. And the guy who actually plays mostly in the slot overall is Corey Davis. He actually has been leading the team in slot production. So I think there is a bounce back for Corey Davis after his goose egg. I think he's right back on the wide receiver green map. But that doesn't mean I'm fading A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown to me is like the T. Higgins version of this matchup. T. Higgins, six for 99 and one. I'm all in on A.J. Brown. And I'm in on Corey Davis in this game. I also like Ryan Tannehill. I think I'm kind of going all in on this. Now, this matchup is average for tight ends. Anthony Ferkser had eight for 113 and one the last time these two teams faced off, but it's impossible. It's kind of a Russian roulette wheel of trying to understand who is going to be the tight end this week that gets production. There's four guys getting targets in that, in that game golf Swain's getting targets and Pruitt and Johnu. So I, I think you're right. I'm not going to get too cute there. So I think it's going to be Tannehill, uh, Henry, AJ Brown, and also Corey Davis on the Houston side. This is where things get kind of interesting. So, Adore Jackson is back. We understand Devontae Adams dominated them last week. But the thing is, they are both good corners. Malcolm Butler and Adore Jackson are good corners. So I think elite wide receivers and great wide receivers can dominate them. But I don't think the middle of the pack guys really can. So when I think about that, I say, all right, who could beat the Titans? You know, first of all, running backs are going to be good. I think David Johnson is right back in. I would just be a little wary of the Duke Johnson situation because it does take away from his targets. But David Johnson, to me, is right back on the RB2 map in this game. A.J. Dillon, DeAndre Swift both had very productive games. Even Aaron Jones got his a little bit, but they didn't need him much in that game. Uh, outside wide receivers, overall all wide receivers, Marvin Jones and Devontae Adams have dominated this secondary over the last couple of weeks. That leads me to believe that Brandon Cooks is right back in my lineup. I've had seven for 141 performance against the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going right back to the well with Brandon Cooks. Now, I think because of the fact that there could be plenty of pass volume in this game, I, I think Chad Hansen to me is probably an interesting, intriguing play. I think outside receivers have been much better than slot receivers versus the Titans overall this season. And I think Chad Hansen to me is getting cute a little bit. I think he's on the flex radar because Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks both had very productive games the last time these two teams played. So I think Brent, Chad Hansen to me uh, could be a flex play if you need it. And finally, the tight end. Listen, Jordan Akins and Darren Fells are, are splitting work. So I personally don't – there's plenty of production to be here. Darren Fells at 6 for 85 and one last time they placed – they faced each other. But at the same time, they have not been consistent when they both play. So unless one of them gets ruled out, I think I'm fading the tight end. So on the Houston side, I think it's Deshaun Watson. He's definitely a QB one this week, David Johnson and Brandon cooks. And if you need a wide receiver three flex, I think Hanson could be in play this week. Just a note on Duke Johnson. He didn't play last week. Didn't play the week before. I don't see a report that he's looking to play this week and I don't see why they would bring him back in. Uh, he, I, I just, He's a good player. Uh, he's a utility player, but he's not necessarily a difference maker enough to say we must have him. And obviously David Johnson's been, been great. So if Duke Johnson misses again, and this is one of those things listeners that we're recommending right now, we're unsure uh, because it's, you know, still kind of a tail end of the week. 
check and make sure Saturday if Duke Johnson or Sunday morning if Duke Johnson is going to play. If he doesn't, David Johnson should uh, be your horse uh, once again there. So just a note. But, yeah, man, going to be a good game. And, again, these rivalry games, you never know. A good team versus a bad team. We just saw the Bengals and the and the um, the Steelers go up against each other in a rivalry game, and, and look what happened. I mean, it can happen any given Sunday, as they say. And, again, uh, <laughs> I do expect the Texans to come out at least in the first quarter or two and be super fired up from J.J. Watt. After that, it might just be Derrick Henry's show, and they might not be able to overtake it per se. But uh, I do expect this game to be a little closer than possibly it was going to prior to that. Okay, man, we got uh, two more games here in the AFC. Uh, excuse me, one more game in the AFC, and then we'll have three in the NFC, and we'll get out of here. Let's break down the uh, New York Jets and the New England Patriots. Look, there's not much to talk about here. First of all, there's not many fantasy options in this game, period. There's also no playoff implications so I don't want to skip the game. I just want to do justice and give everybody some airtime um, because there are a couple of names potentially to play in this game. But for sake of time, Bobby, let's maybe cut this one a little short. There, again, not much for fantasy, nothing for the playoffs. What's up with the Jets and the Pats? Yeah, so remember, Frank Gore is out. Lamar, uh, P. Ryan is out. And also the Patriots run defense has been terrible. I think if, you, if you're desperate at a running back position or if you need a flex, Ty Johnson is in play. The only game this season that he got the bulk of the work was against the Raiders. He had 20 carries over 100 yards and a touchdown. So if you're really looking for that sleeper play, Ty Johnson could be in that. And and also slot receivers have been very good against the Patriots overall. I do believe that you could definitely beat them. Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs got a lot of production inside, but overall dominated the Pats. So I think Jamison Crowder is also in play in this game. But that's really it from the Jets. On the Patriots side, it's really ugly. But at the same time, Jacoby Myers went off against the Jets. So I think Jacoby Myers, to me, is right back in the wide receiver three map in this game. Uh, even with Cam Newton struggling, the Jets are a complete pass funnel defense. And I think I'd be okay starting Jacoby Myers because he's done very well against the Jets previously. And also the Jets overall have allowed a lot of production to wide receivers this season. Right. Um, you're going to have to be pretty desperate at this point in week <laughs> 17. Uh, to play those guys. And again, we want to mention a couple of names just in case you do need them, but there's not much going there. And don't forget, Jamison Crowder threw a pass uh, for a touchdown to Braxton Berrios last week. So uh, maybe that'll happen for you there. Okay, let's move on here to the NFC. Now, the AFC had a lot of playoff implications in the earlier slate. Uh, we just covered those. Most of the NFC stuff happens in the afternoon. So Lucas and I covered all that yesterday. If you haven't Hit that episode yet? Dial it back one episode, 337, and uh, Lucas and I broke down the afternoon slate, which has a lot more of the NFC action. So if you have a team that you're a fan of or you're looking at those playoff matchups, you can dial it back one episode there. But we do have three NFC games to catch up on here in the early slate as well. Unfortunately, just not a lot of NFL playoff implications with these ones, but certainly a number of fantasy options there if you play in Week 17 or you're playing DFS. So, Bobby, we'll start with the Vikings at the Lions. Again, neither one of these teams in the playoff hunt, the Vikings six and nine, the uh, Lions at five and 10. Unfortunately, they finally shut down Kenny Holiday. We, we, we wait all, like eight weeks and they come out in week 17 when fantasy's over and they're out of the playoffs and say, you know what? We're going to shut down Kenny Holiday. So uh, there's kind of a, a punch in the gut for fantasy owners who have been like on the edge for weeks to play him or not. And of course he hasn't shown up. Matt Stafford also, I would say unlikely to play. He's questionable at best right now with an ankle injury left on the first drive last week. Chase Daniel came in. They got just absolutely annihilated by Brady and the Buccaneers in about a half. Um, that one could have been much more ugly than it actually was. 
uh, you know, the running backs, DeAndre Swift, you can keep keep riding them against Minnesota. Um, you ride Marvin Jones for sure. TJ Hawkinson is automatic with the tight end position. And then on the other side with uh, Minnesota, I think Kirk Cousins is a good streamer. Um, and then Justin Jefferson and Thielen, obviously, are automatic. Dalvin Cook not going to play in this game. Unfortunately, uh, his father passed away. Um, so he left the team. He's back home in uh, Miami, Florida. He is away from the team and done for the season uh, with the death of his father, unfortunately. Uh, so, you know, obviously um, blessings out to him and his family. Uh, Alexander Madison has been ba battling a concussion for a while, then a uh, neck injury, some lower body stuff. I, Mike Boone came out of nowhere last year ended up playing in the championship and got some people, some W's. I think Mike Boone's maybe a, a deep, deep option. If you need it, Irv Smith went off last week. Looks like Kyle Rudolph will miss another one. So he's another streaming option. Again, no NFL playoff implications in this game, but certainly a number of fantasy options. Yeah, I do like this game. And when I'm looking at this, so I will say one thing, Stafford, they just came out, Daryl Bevel, that he thinks Stafford's going to play. So that's good news. Okay. Uh, Tough as nails, man. We know, we know that he's arguably yeah. the toughest dude in the league. Oh yeah. And so that's good news from a fantasy standpoint across the board. When I'm looking at this game though, Minnesota is actually their defense is 32nd in dropbacks per game over the last five weeks and 27th in expectation. They have not seen a lot of pass volume. It's because they're a major run funnel defense. We just saw what Alvin Kamara did to them on the ground. So that's one thing that contributes to Minnesota, not seeing a lot of dropbacks now. Detroit on the other side is 26th in dropbacks over the last five and 15th in expectations. So I do think there's a little more pass volume for the Vikings in this game, especially with Dalvin Cook out. Listen, Cook is a different animal, man. I know Mike Boone and, and Alexander Madison has not been ruled out yet, but Detroit has actually been a major pass funnel defense. A little bit better against the run uh, overall, but you know not really great anywhere, but uh, I think that from that perspective, Alexander Madison has not been consistent when he gets spot starts. You know, he did let us down. Uh, I think last year he got hurt too, and he didn't play. That's why we saw Mike Boone. So Madison can't stay healthy, and he's been okay when he gets to work. So I actually do like the Minnesota passing game in this game. So Kyle Rudolph, like you said, he's going to be out. That does open the door for Irv Smith. But when you look at who beats the Lions, you know, run games and pass-catching RBs, uh, have been very productive. Leonard Fournette had a very nice game. Derrick Henry, of course, is, you know, December, Derrick Henry, forget it. But I think from that perspective, DeAndre Swift is a rock-solid RB2. I think he will flirt with RB1 numbers with Stafford playing in this game. And then wide receivers, it's been multiple wide receivers have beaten the beaten the lines over the last couple of weeks. We saw Evans, Godwin, AB, uh, Davis, and A.J. Brown, Adams, and MVS all had productive games against this team. So I'm in on Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson in this one. I think they're going to be very good. And then the, there's been four straight games where the Lions defense has allowed at least 50 yards or a touchdown to a tight end. So what that tells me is, you know, I believe that Irv Smith is right back in the well. I think he, he had a monster game last week. It's tough because Tyler Conklin two weeks ago had the productive game, but I, I think the Lions are very susceptible to tight ends that kind of move a little bit in the slot. We saw John Smith have a very productive game against them. So I'm in on Irv Smith as well. So I'm really feeling it for Cousins and the passing game in this one, especially with Dalvin Cook out. I think if Madison and Boone, I think they're both, if, if Madison's out, I think Boone's fine. I think he could be a, a flex play, but I'm really going to favor the passing game in this one. On the other side for the Lions and who beats the Vikings, it's run games. I mean, Alvin Kamara completely dominated them, like dominated them. So I think 
I think I made a mistake earlier. I think DeAndre Swift for the for the Vikings side, but DeAndre Swift is in for me. I love him again in this matchup for the Lions team. So DeAndre Swift, we just saw what Kamara did, David Montgomery versus this Vikings run defense. So I think DeAndre Swift is in. They also have an average for wide receivers in Minnesota over the last couple of weeks have been much better than they were earlier in the season. But notable names like Emmanuel Sanders did fine against them. Allen Robinson got his. Darnell Mooney found the end zone. So I think I'm still okay with Marvin Jones in this one. And then it's average for tight ends, but the Saints tight ends, Troutman and Cook, got over 100 yards last week. So I think TJ Hawkinson should bounce back with Stafford back in the lineup. So I think from the Vikings, it's Kirk Cousins, Jefferson, and Adam Thielen with Irv Smith. And I think whoever the starting running back is in play, whether it's Madison or Boone, but I think I'm going to lean to the passing game. And the line side, it's DeAndre Swift, Marvin Jones, and TJ Hawkinson. I don't think Stafford, to me, is a true quarterback one in this one because of the pass volume projection, but I think he will do enough to support Jones and Hawkinson. Ooh. I, I don't know that I can – matchup-wise, of course, it's juicy. I don't know that I trust Matt Stafford if I don't have to. Um, he's just so beat up. I know he's tough. And, like, dude, I, I give the guy as many, you know, uh, six-foot distance uh, fist bumps as possible. Um on his courage and his ability to get out there and just beast out. But the reality is he's fragile and he's broken, <laughs> you know? And I just like, I'm worried about that for fantasy purposes, him staying in the game helps out the entire game because there's going to be more scoring. There's going to be more fantasy points, but I would be a little bit concerned with him um, for fantasy wise, just because of last week, I'm a bit scarred, you know, of what happened with people that started him and he was out immediately. Uh, Derek Carr, we saw played like one drive and then pulled his groin. And he was out. I don't know. It could happen to anybody even in time. I get that. But Matt Stafford, a little bit more uh, edgy for me, unfortunately. All right, Bobby, we're going to skip ahead on the sheet uh, here just once because I want to leave your Giants to the very end here. Let's go with the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, this game here, it's, uh, you know, Atlanta, again, out. Um, been out for a while. They're actually the bottom seed uh, in last place, 16th, if you want to call it that, in the NFC at 4-11. and 11. But Tampa Bay sitting in the fifth seed right now. Um, if they lose, the Rams technically could tie them, and then we have tiebreakers. And, again, I'm not going to go over all that, but there's a scenario where potentially the Buccaneers fall out of that. Um, but they are not going to be uh, jumping higher than that because uh, the Saints are at 11-4. and four. Uh, They should, they should uh, stand pat there. So Tampa Bay has a lot to play for. Obviously, they should be firing up everybody. Brady has been on fire. We saw last week, uh, you know, again, he goes for – you know, uh, 304 in the first half. Um, and then Blaine Gabbert comes in and throws two touchdowns right away as well. So the Lions are terrible, but the Buccaneers are also firing on all cylinders. Mike Evans absolutely on fire lately. Chris Godwin gets his. Antonio Brown is enough of a play, I think, uh, potentially in a matchup against Atlanta. And um, Gronkowski, two targets, two touchdowns. But that's what we get with tight ends. I think you could fire him up and Tom Brady as well. To Atlanta's credit, they are playing much, much, much better defense as relevant to them playing the Chiefs last week. And if they weren't the Falcons and didn't blow late leads, which is just kind of their rapport, uh, unfortunately, at this point, they beat the Chiefs last week. They owned the Chiefs all game long. And then Young Way Koo, arguably the best kicker on the entire season this, this year, misses a chip shot and they don't go to overtime and Mahomes gets a late touchdown. But the Falcons had a chance. They've been playing much better defense there. On the Falcons side for offense, don't expect Julio Jones. Calvin Ridley's automatic. Matt Ryan, eh, I guess. I mean, 
Again, without Julio, I don't like him, but he has been playing better lately. I don't trust any of these running backs against Tampa Bay, and Hayden Hurst hasn't really been relevant recently. So it's pretty much just Calvin Ridley, all of the Buccaneers. I'm not sure about the run game, though, for the Bucs either. How do you feel about the Bucs and the Falcons? And again, the Bucs have a lot to play for. They could go uh, anywhere from a top seed to a bottom seed here with a win or a loss. Well, I will say this, uh, like you touched on, this game happened just like two weeks ago. It was the Tampa Bay and the Falcons game. And this this matchup is, you cannot get more pass funnel matchup than this game. I mean, when I was looking at the data, Atlanta's third in the NFL in dropbacks per game on defense over the last five, first in expectations. Tampa Bay is first in the NFL and second in expectation. It is just pass funnel galore in this matchup. Both teams much better against the run than the pass. This is, that just means to me, and we saw this exactly unfold two weeks ago. Brady, 340, uh, 390 yards, two touchdowns. Matt Ryan, 356 and three. Uh, the running games, both neither running backs hit over 50 yards, right? So to me, um, that puts all the pass catchers in play. Uh, we saw Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin all hit double digits in this matchup just two weeks ago. Cameron Brake got over 50 yards receiving in that game. Uh, you know, Calvin Ridley, listen, there was no Julio in that game. Ridley dominated that game. And also, Charlton Davis, the top quarterback, missed last game uh, versus uh, the Lions. And granted, you know, Stafford got hurt. We didn't get to see that come to fruition. But Charlton Davis, if he's out again, I mean, Ridley dominated last time. So Ridley and Gage both had very productive games. Hayden Hurst found the end zone. I personally don't see why it would be any different. I mean, this is just another game where the Bucs need to win. They're going to put up points. Atlanta, yes, it was a nice game against Kansas City. I don't understand. So I don't. I guess the it kind of played into their cards. Atlanta has a solid run defense, and and they kind of forced they they dared them to run, and and I guess it just worked against Kansas City. Tampa Bay, to me, I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deter because there was one good game against Kansas City. I'm not gonna deter myself from starting the Bucks. So I'm in on Mike Evans, obviously Chris Godwin to me, but who really beats the uh, the Falcons, number one, pass catching RBs. Leonard Fournette, I don't think he's going to be that involved. McCoy and him kind of split work with Ronald Jones out, but I think Jones should be back, correct? Did you hear anything on Jones? I haven't, but I'll double check right now. Yeah, let me know. I, I Listen, I think Ronald Jones is in too, even if he's – if whoever's the starting running back, we saw Fournette score twice in that game. So I'm in on the pass catchers. Outside wide receivers pretty much dominate Atlanta. So I think Mike Evans is in. Antonio Brown's a solid flex play. And Chris Godwin to me – even though he plays a little more on the slot, it's still a solid play. But I think he, all three of those receivers are in play for me. The tight ends are a little more risky. We saw Cameron break at the production, but I think that was kind of fluky. I think Gronk, to me, is right back in as well. And I think if you're playing in Week 17, Tom Brady, you must have loved these last four weeks. Tom Brady's right back in for me in this game as well, in this matchup. On the other side of the football, listen, yes, Matt Ryan – has been playing a little better. He has not been great with Julio. And I don't even think Julio's been ruled out yet, has he? Uh, I can check on Julio too, but I don't think Julio was doing very well. I will check on Julio uh, to let you know okay. Ronald Ronald Jones inactive due to the COVID yeah, uh, uh, recently. But let's not forget he also has a lingering finger issue. Right. He was back at practice limited basis on Wednesday. He is on track to play okay. week 17. Um, also, uh, I'm going to check on Julio uh, to buy me a little time cover a little bit. Do you think it's going to matter if Todd Bowles doesn't make the game Todd Bowles, the, you know, 
a great defensive coordinator for the Buccaneers also has been working virtually this week with, he was a close contact with somebody outside the facility due to COVID as well. We saw last week, the um, lions were missing a number of coaches due to the COVID situation and Brady ran up and down the field on them. If Todd Bowles isn't there, do you think that's going to be an issue with the Tampa Bay defense, which is usually uh, very, very good. I'll check on Julio Jones right now. Well, Ryan threw for 350 and three last time. And this game was weird. This was the game where uh, the, the Falcons were up huge heading into it. And then the Tampa Bay Bucks came all the way back, scoring 31 points in the second half. So I, listen, Todd Bowles was uh, DC last time and Ryan threw for 350 and three. I just love the pass volume projection for this game. So I'm in on Ridley, Russell Gage. I think even Hayden Hurst to me is a borderline tight end one in this one. I know we're both disappointed in Hayden Hurst this year, but uh, I think just from a pass volume perspective, this game is, is going to support a lot of pass catches. But I think because it's in Tampa Bay instead of the Dome, I think because this game will probably be more balanced in the sense that, you know, Atlanta's not going to be up big. I think that you're probably going to see just maybe more of the studs like Ridley Gage. If Julio is in, obviously I'm starting Julio, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, but I really lean the pass catches. But if Ronald Jones is in a playing Ronald Jones, I'm not touching Edo Smith in this game. He had six carries for 24 yards the last time they played. And Matt Ryan has not been throwing the tight uh, running backs. They typically don't use a lot of running backs in Dirk Coyter's system anyway. They use a lot of the tight end, which is Hayden Hurst. So I think from my perspective, I think it's the passing games, and that's pretty much it. Doesn't look like Julio is going to play this week. Um, he's had a lingering hamstring since, I mean, the beginning of the season, uh, pretty much his entire career, which is insane. Yeah. Um, he hasn't played since week 13, and it looks like they could potentially be ready to shut him down. Again, the Falcons themselves have nothing to play for other than to try to derail the Buccaneers, but the Buccaneers are in the playoffs. It's just a matter of where they end up seeding. So with Julio Jones being 31 years old, I imagine he either leaves the team next year and tries to pick up a late gig like AJ Green or um, comes back and ends his career in the next couple of seasons with the Falcons. Either way, uh, I, with, with nothing to play for, Julio being older and uh, not being healthy, I just don't see them playing. And uh, clearly Calvin Ridley has uh, taken over the throne there. Um, I made a, a, a comment uh, earlier this week and I basically said, and, it, you know, I wasn't thinking about it per se. I wasn't um, uh, premeditated, but it just came out. And then I was reminiscing after the episode on it. And I stand by it. I basically said that if Julio Jones was 100% healthy his entire career, I said that I would probably deem him as the best wide receiver of all time. That includes Jerry Rice, uh, Randy Moss, obviously Calvin Johnson, yada, yada. Uh, I am a Niner fan. I grew up watching Jerry Rice. Um and uh, I stand by it. Um, he did not have the touchdowns. Obviously, Julio will never have the touchdowns that everybody else has. Megatron never had the touchdowns either. But on sheer ability, um, uh, go up to get the ball, uh, yardage, catches, um, difference maker, the whole thing, game planning, all that. Um, if he was healthy his entire season, didn't miss the games, didn't play at 50% most of his career, um, I'm going to take that. Uh, without much analysis, Bobby, do you think that's, uh, that's a crazy take? Uh, so this is my thing with the uh, best of all time. My thing with Jerry Rice is he played with Bill Walsh, who was an innovator of the off West Coast offense in the 80s into the 90s. He played with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks in Joe Montana and Steve Young. So when you yep. have that level of continuity 
and just the, the Hall of Famers on your side. Of course, Jerry Rice is good, but when you're playing with those type of players, of course you're going to become great. I mean, you know, Randy Moss had like Dante Culpepper, but look what he did with Tom Brady. Like the point is if Randy Moss played his whole career with Tom Brady, who God only knows what could have happened. It's just – it's really tough to evaluate this situation because like Stafford, when he was younger, was a little more erratic, but he would just chuck it up to Calvin Johnson. But also who was the great offensive mind that Calvin Johnson played with? Who was the great Lions OC or head coach? It wasn't, you know, if you put Calvin Johnson, you give him a great like Andy Reid system. God only knows. So it is a very convoluted conversation, but Julio just on ability is absolutely one of the best. Um, but the problem is I don't understand his red zone usage and it's been multiple coaching staffs now, multiple offensive coordinators. He just, for some reason, cannot get you that 12 touchdown season and dominate in the red zone. And to be honest with you, points matter, putting up points matter in the NFL, of course. So I just think, you know, personally, I guess all time, I think Randy Moss to me is probably because just watching what he did that season with Tom Brady, yeah. And also keep in mind, too, if he only got that one full year because then the next year Brady got hurt and he played yeah. with Matt Castle. So God only knows what could have happened if Randy Moss had Tom Brady his whole career. But and I'm also I'm a little bit I'm in my 30s, but it's tough to really talk. I try to watch as much historical stats and stuff as my uh, videos as I can. Jerry Rice, obviously, the numbers show that he's the best, but Jerry Rice played into his 40s. Mm -hmm. you know, and he's on the Raiders and the Seahawks and the mm -hmm. Broncos, I think he was for a second. So, but yeah, I agree. I don't think you're crazy, but at the same time, you know, it's the jury's still out with guys like DeAndre Hopkins, you know, De Devontae Adams playing with Aaron Rodgers looks yep. just out of his mind. So I think the quarterback and the coaching matters a lot for receivers. I totally agree. And, and that's, that's awesome. That's a great, uh, great comeback on that. I just kind of said it breaking things down and I was like, Holy shit. Like, I know I'm going to get some flack on that because everyone has their opinions. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people yeah. stick up for guys like Terrell Owens too. You know I mean? And it's just yeah. like you crunch numbers and yada, yada, I get it. But yeah, you're right. And again, I'm a diehard Niner fan. Love me some Jerry Rice. Uh, uh, obviously I'm not knocking the guy, but you're right. You break it down like that. You start looking at coaching staffs, what they did over a year, blah, blah, blah. Randy Moss ended up going to like the Titans, the Raiders, the 49ers on accident. And he played with bums the rest of his career. I know. So his, his stats just went down the toilet. Um, and Jerry Rice played 10 more years than everybody else. So uh, just anyway, different conversation at the time. I think we should have that on the conversation yes. on the uh, podcast, like broken down because a lot of lists are like top 10 quarterbacks. And they mention this like, oh, this guy won three Super Bowls. And this guy didn't win any. Therefore, he's below him. It's like, OK, but you got to break it down the way that I think you just did. And that's the way I think, too. I would love to actually revisit that conversation another time. But we have one more game. Let's get out of here. We do have the Dallas Cowboys at your New York football giants. Bobby, you're sitting at five and 10, <laughs> right? You got the guys in the locker room. It's been a tough season here. Somehow the fate has it that you still have a chance to make the playoffs at six and 10. Here's what has to happen. The Washington football team needs to lose. You need to beat Dallas and you make the playoffs. Seems pretty easy. We'll get to our pickums in a second. How do we feel about Dallas and the Giants, you're going to break everybody down, so I'll just save the preview. Dallas, Giants, how do we feel? Do you have a chance? Uh, of course we have a chance. I mean, the game – I mean, the spread is like a point and a half. Uh, the Giants are at home, so that's good. Uh, Andy Dalton, obviously, it looks like he's finally clicking a little bit, and he's kind of figured things out. Just had a monster game against the, the Philadelphia Eagles. 
you know, Daniel Jones to me is a passer is still uninspiring. I, I do. I don't think Jason Garrett has really shown me enough as a coordinator to they, they, they made the right choice, but I'm going to give it another chance next year. It takes usually two years for them to implement their system, but just from the uh, getting into the playoffs, it's not going to matter. We're going to have to play the bucks, you know, most likely, right. Whoever wins this division is going to play the bucks, the five seed. Uh, and anything can happen. I get not that. looking good, <laughs> not looking great, right? So anyway, but when I'm looking at this game from a uh, analytic, analytics perspective, Dallas 21st in dropbacks per game on defense, 18th in expectation. Giants 16th uh, in the last five weeks, 29th in expectation. So the pass volume is leaning a little bit to the lesser side in this game. Uh, you know, we yes, Daniel Jones did throw the ball 41 times last week. Andy Dalton looked great on his 30 attempts in that game, but the Giants are a much better pass defensive, especially with James Bradbury back. James Bradbury will most likely be on Amari Cooper. Now, the good thing about this game, we saw it a little bit earlier in the year, it kind of went the way we thought it would, right? So Amari Cooper was shadowed by James Bradbury. Cooper did nothing, but CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup had very productive games. CeeDee Lamb had the biggest game ball. So when I'm thinking about that, listen, Cooper did it against Darius Slay last week, but in four catches, he averaged 30 yards a catch. That's great and all. And I'm, I'm not knocking Amari Cooper. He did awesome. But I, I think James Bradbury is just playing at a different level than Darius Slay. Slay's kind of been a you know, pin cushion over the last six weeks uh, for, for defenses. So I, I am going to say Amari Cooper to me brings him down to more of the fringe wide, uh, the wide receiver three range. I think we talked about this like two weeks ago as well. I think all three of these wide receivers are now startable assets. Again, Michael Gallup coming off that monster performance. Um, but the problem is that the pass volume won't be there to really see this monster game, right? So the Giants 16th and uh, 29th in expectation uh, for dropbacks per game. That's not great. So I don't think Michael Gallup's going to have a monster game. Cooper, I think, to me, is a big red flag with James Bradbury. But I think if I'm going to pick anybody of the three, it's going to be Gallup 1, CeeDee Lamb 2, and Amari Cooper 3 in this game because who they're going to have to face and the potential dropbacks. The tight end position, there has been three consecutive games against the Giants where there's been production. Dan Arnold found the end zone. Um, uh, Austin Hooper, Mark Andrews, they all have very productive games, but I just don't think I'm going to put my fantasy on Dalton Schultz to just kind of flatline because the receivers are finally taking the next step. So I think to me, I'm not going to play Schultz. I think Gallup too is probably my favorite of all these guys. I've seen a lot of production for outside receivers against the Giants secondary outside of who James Bradbury follows. So it's Gallup, C.D. Lamb, and Cooper for me, all in that wide receiver three range. Um, Andy Dalton, I don't see him being a QB1 this week. I, I think it's a very dangerous play. I think it's a much more lower scoring game than it was against Philly. And of course, I think you're going to be able to, it's an average run game against the Giants. Giants just saw Dobbins and Ed, uh, Edwards both get like 165 yards rushing in that game or 160 yards rushing in that game. So I'm in on Zeke Elliott. He's kind of looked like he got a little pep in his step last week, got over 100 yards against a much better Eagles run defense. So I think that, you know, Zeke's going to get his. I think that means that it's going to be less pass volume for Andy Dalton. So I'm thinking Zeke, Gallup, uh, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper are wide receiver threes. On the other side of the ball, though, the Giants, it's just ugly. Sterling Shepard, to me, is, is probably the closest thing to a lock in this game on the Giants' side. You know, the wide receivers against the Dallas Cowboys have been productive. You know, prior to last week, I know Deshaun Jackson caught a long touchdown, but Brandon Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne had very productive games. 
AJ Green had very productive game against them as well. So I think for me, Sterling Shepard has been a target monster. And I think Golden Tate might be out again. You might want to double check that too. But um, if Tate is out, Shepard kicks into the slot. He's just a target hog. He had 12 targets last week. So I'm in on, on Sterling Shepard. And I also think this is a bounce back game for Wayne Gallman. So we've seen uh, running backs over the last few weeks produce very well against the Cowboys. Uh, Sanders got his last week, 15 carries, only 57 yards, but a touchdown. And then Jeff Wilson had a very big game against the Cowboys uh, prior to that. So I think, you know, to me, Wayne Gallman is a nice RB2 flex play in this matchup. And I think also for me, Sterling Shepard is definitely in play. Now, Evan Ingram is, is okay. Uh, the Cowboys have been actually pretty good against tight ends. Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz combined for six catches, about 70 yards, which is good. Uh, but, you know, they're actually playing – they were playing pretty well up to that point. So I think Evan Ingram, to me, is a low-end tight end one in this game. Not a must-start at all, but I think Evan Ingram is in play as well. But for the most part, I think it's going to be Sterling Shepard is the one. Wayne Gallman is the number two on that side. And then Evan Ingram is kind of a fringe tight end one. And then uh, Darius Slayton's kind of just fell off a map. I'm not going to get cute and start slaying. He's only had one really productive game over the last month or so. Golden Tate missed the game last week after a calf injury in practice. I don't expect him to come in. I don't have a report that he's going to play. Um, again, this is a must, a must win for the Cowboys and the Giants. The winner of this game makes the playoffs and wins the division right. somehow if the Washington football team loses to Philadelphia. Uh, but I do not think Golden Tate's playing. And frankly, in the week 17, I don't see fantasy players playing him regardless. All right, Bobby, we are at the end here, but I need to get your picks in for the final time in the regular season. We'll do it all over again in the playoffs. You have uh, really stormed back here. You were just a game behind uh, Dweez and um, Lucas. Let's get your picks in quickly. You know the drill. I'll give you two names. You give me the winner. Miami at Buffalo. Buffalo. Baltimore at Cincinnati. Baltimore. Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Cleveland. Oh, I like it. I like it. I'm going to go with Cleveland as well. Minnesota at Detroit. Minnesota. Without Dalvin Cook. I'm going to go that way too, but it's risky. Tennessee at Houston. Tennessee. I'm going to go Tennessee as well, but I do think Houston comes out at least motivated for a bit. Jets and New England Patriots. Yikes. Uh, Pats. Pats. I like it. Uh, Dallas and your New York football giants. Uh, giants at home. Nice. I was going to say you could reverse psychology and pick Dallas. So <laughs> if you win, you know, that whole thing, but I, I get it. Giants never work. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Atlanta at Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. All right, my man. Well, that wraps up week 17 previews. It's been an incredible season. Thank you all for your time and energy and effort putting into it. Again, Bobby and I and Lucas and Dwayne are going to take a breath. I will be back with you tomorrow for a quick preview of the next couple of weeks. We'll do another preview after the draft and Super Bowl. We'll just let you know how things are going. We're going to slow down a little bit after the Super Bowl, but we'll pick right back up at full speed uh, come this uh, spring and summer. So stick with us. We are year-round. We'll have a couple episodes at least per week for you. Bobby, it's been an honor to have you on all season long, man. Super stoked to have you as a part of the team. Hope you had a great Christmas. Hope you had a happy holiday. Hope you have an incredible new year. We're recording this on New Year's Eve, dropping on New Year's Eve. Tomorrow is 2021. I think everybody on the planet is excited for tomorrow. 
regardless, just to rinse out a little bit of 2020 here and, and try to start oh, yeah. over. Although of course things aren't going to just change overnight, but appreciate you, man, before you go, let everybody know where they can find your content and we'll get out of here. Yeah. First, thank you. And thank you, your fans. I appreciate, you know, this year has been fun uh, getting a chance to talk with you guys. You can always follow me. Obviously I'm sticking with you guys. I'll be here. I'll try to jump on at least once a week with, with sky on here as well, but also you can follow me on Instagram at fantasy football X factor on Twitter at FFX Factor. I also write for football.rasball.com, a shadow coverage report. And I also write for expandtheboxscore.com as well. Uh, you can follow me and on any of those medias. For those of you in the stat nerds, go follow Bobby. He's the man. I get a lot of my information from him and his research. Go do it. Bobby, it's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate your efforts. Good luck to your Giants. There is a chance. I think they take it home. Hopefully they can get it done. I appreciate everybody. Follow TCK on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod on Twitter at TCK underscore pod last set of rankings and articles on the website, tckpod.com. We appreciate you. Leave a five-star review, leave a, leave a rating as well. And uh, we'll be back with you. I'll be back with you tomorrow. We'll be back with you next week to preview the NFL playoffs and do a little DFS work. Happy new year, everybody. It's been a blast. We appreciate you. Let's do it all over again in 2020 for the final time in 2020 for Bobby Lamarco, AKA fantasy football X factor. I'm your host, Scott Guasco for the entire TCK candlestick kids, fantasy football podcast team. We wish you a wonderful happy new year. Let's get it in 2021. We are out of here. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.